Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to take them and turn with me this morning to the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, amen. Acts chapter 6, and I want to share a message today entitled, Nameless World Changers. Nameless World Changers. In the book of Acts, chapter, sorry, 11. Chapter 11. In the book of Acts, chapter 11. The Bible lets us know this. It says, now those, in verse 19, verses 19 and 20. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Verse 20 says, Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. I'm going to stop reading right there. We actually were in this passage on Tuesday night, uh, a little bit further down in this passage, talking about a man by the name of Barnabas, who was, the Bible says, and his name actually means son of comfort, and that seems to be how his ministry was played out. But prior to that time, something had occurred, and we need to, you need to sort it. You could, we won't take the time to read it, but when you go back into uh, Acts, into the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, you go back just a couple of pages, uh, or Acts, uh, Acts, sorry, not Acts 8, Acts chapter uh, 7, and then toward the end of 7, you find that there is the stoning death of a man by the name of Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr of the church. We know him, we know his name. There are a lot, of, a lot of other people in the Bible that we like to talk about, men like Abraham and Moses and David in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all of these men, we know their names. They are, for all intents and purposes, they are famous to us. We get into the New Testament, and of course, some of the most famous ones are Peter and Paul and John and maybe even James to an extent. Some of these, but especially Peter and James, they are to us at least, they are the most famous of all. And yet, when you read the Bible and you take time to look at scriptures, it is not completely and totally dependent, the plan of God is not completely, totally dependent upon those who are famous. I'm just curious today, and deep down in the bottom of your heart, how many of you would say, I'd like to be famous? Come on, just stop lying. This is the church. Uh, you know, just for a minute, you know, as they, the phrase goes, 15 minutes of fame, right? Now, you can imagine what your fame probably would be brought on as a result of. We're not really sure. Most of us, you know, in this day and age, we could think, well, somewhere along the way, you know, a, a rich uncle left an estate, and I didn't know that I had a rich uncle and I became famous for all of a sudden getting loaded, you know, with all kinds of money. 
Or it might be that somebody came along and notices in you a hidden talent. You know, a talent to be a musician or a talent to... And I have to confess something else. This is not a good time to confess, but i got to confess something else. I am a closet fan of some of these secret, like these talent shows on TV. And I say closet because don't ever spread that. This is the closet. Uh, and the other night, I, I just I was I was watching TV for a little bit, and I I saw the show X Factor. You know, it's like sort of like the same thing as what what was the other one on what American Idol, right? So basically the same thing. They just took the same crew, brought them over there, and then they made this other show. And I, you know, you hear this you hear this singing that just you know it, it just you you would rather just drag your nails across the chalkboard. But then all of a sudden, there's this surprise that happens. And somebody gets on stage, and they don't look like they can sing. They don't look like they got And they got it. And it's an amazing thing. And all of a sudden, for that brief moment, these people are famous. Now, whether or not they go on to win and win this record deal that they, they propose that they're going to have or the winner is going to have, who knows? And if they'll become famous, they don't know. But you know what, for, for, for all of us, for many of us, deep down on the inside, if we're really honest with ourselves, we'd like to be famous just for a few minutes. But you know, there are those in Scripture who were not famous at all. In fact, we don't even know their names. I just read a passage of Scripture, and the passage is not referring to any of the disciples or the apostles who were running away from the persecution. In fact, the Bible is very clear to state that the apostles, even though there was persecution that had broken out, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. So all the famous guys like Peter and John and James and Matthias and Thaddeus and all of these apostles, they stayed put. They didn't go anywhere. But now the Bible shows us this, that there are those. That's it. That's all we know about them. We, don't, we know where they're from, but we don't know their names. But the Bible says, now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, and hid in caves. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not what it says. Telling the message. What message? The good news of Jesus Christ, the great gospel of Jesus Christ. They traveled from where they were. They were, they found there was this persecution that broke out in the church. It seems like those who were unbelievers got emboldened by watching Stephen die. And they thought, you know what? It would be great if we just did this to all the believers. So why don't we go ahead and why don't we go out and we're just going to chase after them. We're going to find them. Wherever they're hiding, wherever they might be, let's go get them, and we're going to do the same thing to them. We'll throw them in prison. We'll, we'll, we'll hang them. We'll do whatever we have to do. And the Bible says that there were those who were scattered. You might think, what a lack of faith. They're running. They should have stood their ground, been strong. But no, God had a plan, and they're running. See, one of the things that we don't realize is that sometimes obstinance can get in the way of God's plan. You can stand and you can say, well, I'm just going to stand and stand my ground and fight and, you know, I'm going to fight to the death. Well, they had the opportunity to run, and you know what? They did. And because they did, 
the message of the gospel began to spread. Do you see what's happening here? There is, we say, well, I, I don't understand how God could allow Stephen to be martyred. How could God allow that to happen? I don't have time to go into all the whys and the wherefores and all of that. And probably if we were to find an answer that would be satisfactory to me, it wouldn't be satisfactory to you. So why waste our time trying to figure out why it happened? Why not take a look at what God was able to do in the aftermath? And the aftermath was this. Christians were localized. Believers were localized in one place. And all of a sudden, they began to spread out around the world. The gospel had not reached the places where these people, whoever they were, these nameless world changers, wherever they went, the gospel had not reached there yet. But when they arrived, it did. And when they arrived, they began to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to whoever it was that was there. Now the Bible says in verse 19, there were those who went to the Jews. Well, in fact, Jesus had said when he arrived, he came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And yet there were times where Jesus stepped outside of the area of, of the Jewish community and he reached out to those who were considered Gentiles as well. We remember the woman, the Syrophoenician woman, who came to Jesus and begged that her daughter be delivered by a demon that had vexed her for so long and just completely destroyed her life. And we remember that Jesus tested her faith for the moment, but the woman reached out to him in faith and said, yes, but you know what, I believe that you can do it. And Jesus ministered to that Gentile woman and healed her daughter where where it was that she, she was lying in her bed. See, Jesus stepped outside of that, but Jesus came to the lost house of Israel. In every city, you read through the book of Acts, in every city that Paul went into, when he went in to preach the gospel, the Bible says he went to the Jews first because he believed that the message was for them first. And then he would go. When he was rejected by them in their synagogues, he would go out in the open square or go into some some temple of some goddess or whatever it was, and he would begin to declare the wonders of the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ and how Jesus had come to deliver a message of hope. For many of us, we think that because we don't have a name, we can't do anything. Think, well, you know what, if I could just get my name known, then maybe there would be people who would come along with me. Then maybe it is that I could have an impact on the world. Can I tell you that today you can have an impact on the world, though to the world you might be nameless. To the world you might not be known. These men are nameless to us, and yet they are world changers simply because they went and they delivered a message of hope to those who are lost and those who are dying. We have to remember that it is not our prominence, but His preeminence that is most important. It is not that you and I stand and say, hey, take a look at me. Take a look at what I've done. Listen, there are famous people today who are believers and they're Christians and they they have an impact on the world. But let me tell you, the majority of those who are believers are nameless to much of the world. But nonetheless, where you go and where you live and where you work, you can have an impact in the place that you are. And the one thing that we have to pray for that these men and uh, and women had it was the power of the Holy Spirit there is anything that we need to believe for in our church it is the power of the Holy Spirit upon us 
not just a one-time event, but fresh infillings of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, be filled. In the book of Ephesians, Paul wrote to them and said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word, the word for filled in the original language that the, that the New Testament was written in, it actually means keep on being filled. In other words, it's not a one-time event like some theology teaches us, but it is something that we continually go back after and go for and say, Lord, fill me anew and afresh that I can have an impact on the world that I am living in with the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the great dangers of the time that we are living in is this, is that we are living in a time where all of a sudden we are blurring the lines between God's agenda and a political agenda. That somewhere along the lines, we think that somehow, you know, that God's a Republican. Just because, you know, whatever, the Republicans might stand against abortion or some political party might stand against something else or one political party will say we've got to do more to help feed the homeless and the hungry and all of that and and that certainly God stands for that can I tell you God is neither Democrat Republican in the Tea Party or independent he is God all by himself his agenda goes beyond whatever 2012 election kind of nonsense is going to come up in front of us brothers and sisters God is not looking for another politician he is looking for somebody who is a world changer Somebody who's got the message of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they can bring that to people who are in need. Whether they are down in the, the streets and like, a, like somebody who is homeless. Or whether or not they are the highest of the CEOs in the country. They still need Jesus Christ. And it is up to us to deliver a message of hope. These men weren't known by anybody. We know why they went where they did. The Bible says that they were scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen. You see, God had a plan for them. Sometimes God's plan, we would think God's plan is only for us right here and now. And that if we move as a result of some life-changing event, some problem that comes our way, if we begin to change things because... You know, in our lives, we feel like there's so much against us. A lot of times, I know how we think. We think that we failed. And yet it could be that what God is, you know, it's kind of like, like when the mama bird knows that the baby bird is ready to fly. Baby bird doesn't want to go anywhere. But mama bird knows the nature of the bird, knows what the potential is, knows what that bird is supposed to do. Bird's supposed to fly. For the longest time, that bird has been in the nest. But then, all of a sudden, the mama bird begins to do something that defies mamahood. <laughs> Out of the nest. <laughs> now, for those who are mothers who, you know, I mean, I, Christy just, you know, their last just went off to college. I know, for mama bird. That's tough. She didn't kick him out of the house. Neither Julian nor, nor Christy, you know, sent him off to college. No, no, no. They, they, they wanted to keep him, I know. For those of you who have been in that position, you don't want, to, you won't want your child to leave. Well, sometimes you do. But, yeah. you know, when they're misbehaving. But you don't want your child to leave. But that bird knows when it's time for the little baby birds to do what they are supposed to do. 
And sometimes we get too comfortable with where we're at in our lives. We get too comfortable in the nest. And we don't, you know, we don't want to just, we don't want to spread our wings and begin to do something a little bit different. We, we, we think we're only intended to do this one thing. We're only intended to sit at the feet of Jesus and just take it all in. Listen, when Jesus was giving it to his disciples, he knew what his disciples were going to have to do when he left. He wasn't pouring it into them because he thought these 12 are just so intensely special that I have placed my hand upon them and I just want them to always be around me. No. He had a plan for them. The plan is revealed in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. It says, he told them to go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he said, I want you to go out into the whole world. Mark's gospel records, go into all the world and preach the gospel. God had a plan for them. And, and, and while, while it is that we kind of sit around and hope that we can just stay comfortable, sometimes when things begin to get negative and get bad, what God is trying to do is he's trying to push us into a place where we will, we will be uncomfortable yet have the ability to minister to those that are around us. Can't imagine that all of these who traveled to these places, they weren't from there. Some of them were, some of them were not. Some of them were as far away as Libya, and they went to Antioch, the Bible says. Antioch was in the other direction. It was now just this little part of, of Turkey, it's this, or, or Syria. It is this little, little place. It's, it's no longer there, but you know, in the end, it's, it's the place that God wanted them to go because it was there that the gospel needed to be preached. Brothers and sisters, we don't know who they were, but they followed the plan of God. They got out of Jerusalem and they began to branch out. They went to Cyprus, which is an island out in the Mediterranean. They went out there. They began to preach the gospel there. They went as far up as Antioch. They went to another place as well. And they began to deliver the message of the gospel. Why? Because a persecution broke out. They said, we got to get out of here because you know what? God's not done with us yet. Let's go somewhere else. And they went somewhere else. Whoever they were. Can I encourage you today? You don't need a name to have an impact. You don't need to have fame in order to make a change occur in life. You don't have to have a name in order for people to come along behind you and follow what it is that you present to them and open up to them. These who went there didn't have a name. They are the nameless world changers. The distance that they traveled is incredible. In that time, Antioch was about 300 plus miles from Jerusalem. These guys didn't just run. They went far. Because, you know, they didn't hop in their little Priuses and go off to Antioch. You know, they, they had to walk. Or they had to maybe use a horse, maybe use a dog. We don't really know. But they went far away. And sometimes what God is calling us to do seems so far from what it is that we believe we can do, should do, and I have the ability to do. And yet God is able to use us wherever it is. If we will open up our hearts to him and say, Lord, use me, use me. Now, what was their mission? Well, their mission was to tell the Jews, 
telling the Jews about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You and I, brothers and sisters, are to minister to everyone. There were those who went there, and they went there. It was, it was a plan. It was a purpose. They did it because Jesus said he came to the lost house of the sheep of Israel. He, and, and in fact, Paul said that the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. It was the idea in that time that the gospel needs to come to those who were the holders of the law and those who, who understood and knew that the, the Old Testament testified about Jesus Christ. There are so many prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament that have been fulfilled in the New Testament. They said, we gotta go, we gotta go deliver the message because and at that time, the New Testament was still wasn't even being hadn't even been written yet, and so it's being played out as it were. They said, "Let's go deliver it." How did they do it? They did it through the Old Testament. They showed how Jesus was the Messiah. He was the one who was to come, who would give his life as a ransom for many. That he was supposed to die, and he was supposed to be raised on the third day. An incredible miracle that defies human belief and human understanding. And yet God is able to do that and he raised him up. They went to that place and they delivered the message to the Jews. But then the Bible also says that there were those who went to the Greeks or at that time it was the Greek speaking world. They spoke Greek. And they understood, they spoke it as well. They went and they delivered the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who were hurting and those who had not come to know the Old Testament and the law and all that there was in the Jewish scriptures. But they went and they delivered the message of Jesus Christ to people who had never heard about him. Never heard what it was that he was supposed to do, but they came and brought a message of hope. Brothers and sisters, we are fast becoming a, an absolute godless society. And in many ways, when it comes down to it, it is a society that has an intense intolerance for Jesus. You can talk about God. It's sort of nebulous in its name. But, but don't, but Jesus. Ah. Too offensive. Oh, only talk about the, the good things. Don't talk about the cross. Because then you start to get into the whole thing of, you know, sin. I mean, the, without sin, brothers and sisters, Jesus didn't have to die. He died on the cross because of one thing, sin. Sin came into the world through Adam, but forgiveness came into the world through Jesus Christ. We have to talk about the bad stuff so we can appreciate the good stuff. You know, you ever have somebody say, what's the, you know, I got good news and bad news? We usually want the, good, the bad news first, don't we? Most of us anyway. Give me the bad news first so I can hear the good news. I want to end on an up note. God always ends on an up note. The cross is the up note. What he did for mankind is the up note. And they went into this this, these places, and they begin to deliver a message. The Bible says, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Telling them about what Jesus Christ had done for all of mankind. Regardless of where you were born, what your race is, what your nationality is, regardless of where you come from in the world, regardless of what it is, they went into the world and they said, we've got good news for you. 
Jesus. And they began to preach Jesus Christ. And they began to preach about what it is that he did on the cross for them and how he was raised to life and now is worthy to be worshipped and adored and received as king in your heart, received as somebody who can change your life, forgive sins, wipe it away, and restore a relationship between you and the Father. They begin to deliver that message. And I love how Luke says, as he writes this, he says, telling them the good news. You know what? It's still good news, folks. I realize there are those in the world today, and it's increasingly in the media, increasingly all around the world, they're beginning to say, people are beginning to say that religion is the main problem of mankind. And what I would say is sin is the main problem of mankind. It isn't this idea that somehow religion has created the problem. And by religion, I'm going to stick to the one that we believe and hold to the one that we believe is the absolute truth, and that is Christianity. There are those who would say that somehow it's just created all kinds of difficulties. And yet when I read through the New Testament, when you begin to read in the book of Acts, you realize that when Paul and Silas and Barnabas and Peter and others went into cities and they began to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, you begin to realize that when they did, it changed those places and those people for the better. Brothers and sisters, can I challenge you and encourage you that while your name might not be known, you might not have your name uh, and, and picture on the cover of some Christian publication, some magazine. You might not be Time's man or woman of the year. You might not have had that kind of an impact. But can I tell you today that the impact that you and I need to have is an impact for the kingdom and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is an impact that where we live, where we are, that we are willing to deliver the message of the gospel. People might not know your name. Might not be known to you, but, but listen, let me tell you something. That in the kingdom of God, one day when you reach heaven, there is one who's going to know your name, and he is the one who is the most important, and that is Jesus. He's the one who's got his eye on you. He sees what it is that you're doing in secret when you share with somebody about what Jesus Christ has done for you. And you share your story. That's what these people did. They scattered and they went out. But they did it because of what Jesus had done. And they wanted to share not only the story of the gospel, but listen, he changed my life. It's possible that some of these individuals were there on the day of Pentecost and heard Peter preach that very first sermon and responded. It might have been one of those first 3,000 souls who came into the kingdom of God on that day. And now they they are going out. They're not sitting in Jerusalem just listening to the apostles. Tell me more. Get me deeper, you know, in the things of God. Now, the deeper you go in the things of God, the further you're going to go. The deeper you go, the more you can give out. And that's what they did. They went out and they spread out so that they could give hope to the world. Can we just bow our heads for a moment? And Before we go into communion together, I'll explain about communion. 
in a moment. But it could be in this place today, you recognize, Lord, I've been too comfortable with where I'm at. I've been just way too comfortable. Lord, I want to begin to reach out to those who are hurting. Say, Pastor, you know, we got to do more as a church. I don't doubt that. But you know what? We have to also learn that it's not just, you are not just the church when you're in this building. You're not just the church when you are here together doing something for the kingdom of God. You're the church where you are. Where you live, the people that you come in contact with, that's where it counts. That's where it makes the difference. Where you are, that is where you're intended to have an impact. And it could be today that you sense in your heart, Lord, I need something new and fresh from you. If that's you today, all we're going to do is pray. And I'm going to ask you simply to pray and ask the Lord to help you and minister to you and strengthen you to serve Him wherever you are. Heavenly Father, today, we reach out in faith today asking you to break us from our comfort zones. Lord, we pray even now, O God, that you would help us to have an impact on the world that we live in. We want to be world changers. We don't, and Lord, we don't care about being famous. We don't care about being known. That's not important to us. What we care about is being effective. We care about making a change, O God, in the world that we're living in. For you, Lord, not for a political agenda. Lord, let politics perish. But Lord, I pray that you, O God, would have the final say. And Lord, we know we've read the end of the book and you do have the final say. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would be one of those who would stand and be counted for you. And Lord God, when you begin to stir us, when you begin to move us, when we begin to spread out, Lord, help us to realize that it is your plan. Even if we feel that where we've been, oh God, that's our comfort zone, but it's become uncomfortable. What are you doing? Lord, you're sending us out. You're spreading us out that we might minister for you. Dear God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would strengthen your people that you would help them, O oh God, to serve you with all of their heart, their soul, and their mind. And Lord, we give you the praise in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.